0: Like I mentioned, my name is Osahan, and excited to hang with you guys tonight, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the guest speaker, and every guest speaker says that. I really am. Eric, great guy. I love Eric. Um, I mean, what better friend than someone you met in the middle of the pandemic? Of course, that's going to be a real friend, right? Um, Pastor Claire, doing a great job. All of your leaders doing an incredible job here, and so, guys, give it up for them one time because, you know, sometimes they don't hear it enough, and so just a little bit about me because, you know, I could just sit here and crack this Bible open and just say a bunch of stuff. But I do think it's good you guys get to know a little bit about me so you know I'm not like some Bible reading and reciting robot. Um, first of all, course, my name is Osa Han. You can call me O, Osa, whatever, you know, starts with an O that works for you. Um, secondly, um, I am very married, like I mentioned before. Um, my wife and I have been married for five years. It'll be five years in November. We've been together for 10 years. How she's put up with me for 10 years, that's how you know God is real, okay? Um, we have ooh two kids, One is on the way. So my wife is pregnant, unlike Sarah, yes. Uh, But yeah, my my wife will actually be giving birth to our second son this Monday. So keep us in prayer. Yeah, super soon. Uh Uh-huh. So I have two little guys running around. Those are my first round draft picks right there. That's my meal ticket. Let's go. Um, And then also, just like locally, the city of Pomona has a special place in my heart apart from the fact that I work here. I work right down the street, right next to the Fox Theater for an organization called Justice for Youth, um, which deals with mentoring and uh, servicing at Promise Youth to be better uh, students, better people, and better leaders. And prior to that, and you know, I still am at heart because once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. I was a full-time youth pastor for five years, among other things. But overall, I just really love Jesus really love his word and I really love people with that being said though um I mentioned my son y'all gotta pray for me uh the kid is crazy Uh, I think they have the picture of my family um you guys can throw that up there I, I, look at us. We look good. If you knew the craziness that it took You guys have seen those pictures like the, the picture but the reality like that's definitely not reality what it took for us to get there I almost didn't even make it. This is the maternity shoot for our second son I almost didn't make it to the whole situation and don't let the little innocent Look on my son's face fool you. Okay. He's he's something else. He keeps me on my toes He's the reason I stay on my knees in prayer. The kid is wild um, as a matter of fact today my wife and I caught him. Here's the sign. You guys will have kids one day. Here's the sign to know that trouble is around the corner when you hear silence. Okay? So my wife and I are watching TV in the bedroom, and we hear silence. I'm like, uh, Things sound a little too quiet, but I could have sworn I saw him in his room, so we should be good. So we jump up. We run to his room next door, and we look, and he's sitting there just cute as an angel, just doesn't – well, he doesn't wave, so he goes like this. One of our dogs is sitting right next to him, looking just all prime and proper, and I'm thinking, something isn't right here. What is it? So I'm looking all around the room, and my wife caught it. She goes, oh my gosh. I go, what happened? My wife had baked two funfetti cakes. One of them she frosted, the other one she just left on the counter. He had reached up on the counter, because he's getting smart like that, pulls the cake off the counter, it was on its plate, brought it to his room when we went around, and it was sitting right next to him. Just... What are you doing with all that cake? <laughs> so because of that, the, uh, the other day I'm on, a, on the phone with my friend, and he goes, hey, man, I feel like every time I'm on the phone with you, I hear you telling your son no, or don't do that, or you can't go there. And I'm like, dang, I think you're right. I got Yeah, but he's at that age. He's at the terrific twos. Don't let them tell you it's the terrible twos. It is the terrific twos. I'm praying that. I'm believing that. It's going to be terrific. He turns two in October. He's a Halloween baby, by the way. Um, Some of you are like, oh my gosh, my favorite holiday. God bless you. He's having costume parties until he leaves my house. That's what he gets for his birthday. But as I was thinking about that, I realized, on the one hand, it could seem negative, right? All I'm telling my kid is no, 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 no. The reality is, if I don't teach him and help him understand boundaries now, it will inhibit his quality of life later. He won't be able to experience the fullness of a good life later. And the same goes for us. A life lived without a measure of boundaries or rules or or, or ordinances will put us in a position to where eventually we will not be able to enjoy the abundant and good life that God has for us in this life. And so tonight, as we, uh, we, we dive in, here's like the one central thought I want you guys to hold on to. Those of y'all who are camp, you know me. I like to keep the, the main thing, the main thing, keep the central thought in front of you. And it is simply this, that God's word or God's law, whatever, any variation of it, is not meant to harm us or to hold us back, but it is to show us God's goodness for our good and for the common good. say it again, and I know it's on the screen, but it bears repeating. God's word is not meant to harm us or to hold us back, but it is to show us his goodness for our good and for the common good, really meaning the good of our neighbor. Let's pray real quick. Faithful God, We can call you faithful because you've proven that to us time and time again. And maybe there's some of us in this room who are even questioning that, who are questioning whether or not you are good. I pray that tonight, over the course of this night, whether it's through the words that come out of my mouth, whether it's in worship before or life groups after or whatever that looks like, over the course of this night, you would show us your goodness. And for those who are questioning that, maybe it doesn't take an answer. Maybe it's just an encounter with your goodness and your love. So prepare our hearts now. Speak to our hearts now. Help me to preach your word clearly, faithfully, empowered, and inspired of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. In your name we pray, amen. So we're in this series, right? The stories that shaped Jesus. And this is important. These are important things to note. Me and Gaius were actually talking about this outside earlier, but 80% of our Bible is full of the stories and the thoughts that actually shaped Jesus. I know that sounds weird because Jesus is God and also Jesus is the living word. So why does he need to study it? Uh, Here's something I think it's important for us to note when we look at the life of Jesus and we look at his actual profession Right Jesus wasn't a carpenter when Jesus started his ministry he was, was called a rabbi, and so a rabbi was a teacher um, who helped people uh, follow the law of God and showed them a particular way in which to do it. So Jesus was in, in, in real time really doing what Pastor Eric does, Pastor Claire does your leaders do, and that's helping people understand what God was saying. And tonight, as we look at uh, some instances and we look at the, the law of God, the 10 commandments is what we're going to dive deep into. What we'll find is this, is that what Jesus was helping the people do in that time and is still helping us do today is this, is to give us an understanding of God's goodness, even though it's saddled up and, it, and it's, it's lined up really with law and rules. I know some of you are like, rules. I break rules for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. God bless you, okay? And some of you, you're like, nope, I stay as far away from the line as possible. I am a perfect saint. Straight A's, never missed a day of school, never missed a day of summer school, never missed a day of, of Saturday school. That's fine. Never missed a day of Sunday school. That's fine as well. And then there's some of you who are like, I'm just gonna tiptoe the line and see how close I can get without crossing over. For all of us, tonight is for you. And so we're going to take a look real quick at this passage in Matthew that gives us a picture of an incident uh, that's going to springboard us into what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Springboard, right? Anyone in here swim or do dive? Anyone? No, 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 no. No one adventurous in here? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You probably need to save your spine anyways. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, and it says this. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So let's break it down real quick. In this moment, and this is, this is characteristic, we see it time and time again in the ministry and the stories that are told of Jesus's life, is this, is... Uh, You have Jesus, and then you have another set of individuals who were teachers of the law called the Pharisees. And then there were the Sadducees, and then there were the scribes. So it's like Jesus against the world, essentially. And so the Pharisees were really, really smart. They knew everything. They they knew everything about the law. They knew it frontwards and backwards. The problem was they didn't let it change their heart. So they knew it all, but they were jerks, really. They were. And you have the Sadducees who didn't believe in probably the the thing that anchors our faith, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. The apostle Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, that if Christ is not raised from the dead, we are the most pitiful of people. The resurrection is the linchpin of our faith. And then you have the scribes who were, like their name implies, like they're the ones who wrote down everything and reported. So Jesus has this interaction with the Pharisees, and they come up to him, and they go, this is their, their thing. They were the kings of the gotcha. The gotcha moment. They had all the receipts, or at least they thought they did, as to where Jesus was messing up because they wanted to prove that Jesus was this crazy man. So go, hey, Jesus, so we notice when you eat, when you and your disciples eat, you don't, guys don't like wash your hands. That's like breaking the law. And Jesus does. This is a pro tip for life. When someone asks you a question, don't always feel like you have to answer straight away. Ask them a question right back. Because clarifying questions help a lot. Because sometimes someone could ask you a question. You ever had that moment where someone asked you a question and you are like, how dare you ask me that question? And they had no evil intent behind it, but you took it personally, so you responded sideways and it turned into something it didn't need to? Yeah, you'll need to do all that. Ask clarifying questions. So Jesus, the scriptures record over 300 questions that were asked to Jesus. Jesus answered less than 10 times with a straight answer. Most of the time Jesus responded with a question and what he responds with is one of the 10 commandments and it's actually the first commandment with the promise. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that I'm taking you to. Now some of you may hear that verse and think, Osahan, you don't know my home situation. You don't know my father and mother. Actually Osahan, I don't even, I don't even know my father and my mother. That's A-okay. Here's the thing to understand about that, that passage or that, that commandment. It's not free rule or reign for you to just do whatever in the name of just honoring your parents. What it is is this, is you honor them for their position and for their role, even if they don't live up to it. Why? Because you're not doing it to honor them, you're doing it to honor God. And so Jesus quotes this passage and flips, flips the Pharisees on their head. And what Jesus is getting at with them is this big H word that we're gonna talk a little bit later about hypocrisy. Why are you guys a bunch of hypocrites is what he's saying to the, to the Pharisees. So we're going to go ahead and jump and fast forward, uh, actually fast forward, back up into Exodus, and we're going to look at the Ten Commandments. Um, tonight's, the title of tonight's message I know is on the screen is the Ten Commandments in 2022. Why? Because the Ten Commandments, I think for us, oftentimes, particularly here in the United States, has been used as a weapon of mass destruction. That's not in my notes, but it sounds great right now. And here's why. We use it to beat people over the head to say, hey, like, you're not good enough because you broke these things. You violated these laws. When the reality is this, the Ten Commandments were not given to be used as a weapon for war and destruction. They were given for God's people to be witnesses of his love to the people around them. So as we look at the Ten Commandments, looking in our 2022 lens, I want us to upgrade our understanding in this moment, right? Does anyone have to do any upgrades to their operating system on their phone, their iOS, right? Are you the kind of person who waits until the last minute to upgrade everything, right? Or maybe you're the person who you go to upgrade and you have way too much stuff stored and you don't even have enough memory to do your upgrades, right? Tonight, we're all getting an upgrade when it comes to the law of God, okay? So Exodus chapter 20. And it reads as follows, okay? And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. For 6, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Side note, that's where we get the word sabbatical, which is what Pastor Eric will be taking starting August 1st. First, you're welcome, the more you know. Uh, Verse number 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Wow, that's a lot, God, thanks for dumping that on us. In this moment, this is a moment where Moses is having a conversation with God, Moses, in case you're not familiar, uh, Moses is, is the man who leads God's people out of slavery in Egypt that they'd been in for 400 years. So he leads them out of slavery, come out to the wilderness. They come to this mountain known as the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, and Moses goes to the mountain to have a conversation with God. And the first thing God does is God gives them rules. Gee, God, why couldn't you just say, hey, guys, good job. You made it out right? Why can't you give us like a gold star or something? Instead, you give us rules. Why would God do that? The key to understanding the Ten Commandments is actually verses one and two of chapter of Exodus 20. In it, God says this, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What God is setting up in this moment for them is this, Is that this, uh, what the Ten Commandments are, is that they're not meant to be restrictive. Instead, what they are, is they are meant to help you stay free. You see, God's people had been slaves for 400 years. And so I don't know what, you know, experiences you've had in life or if you've ever just been used to a long-term routine and how hard it is to break that routine, right? Some of you, it was incredibly hard for you to go back to school in person because you got so used to having your uh, screen off on Zoom and just sitting in your bed, not really awake, right? Maybe eating Pop-Tarts, God bless you. Hopefully they were brown sugar. If not, I don't know if you love Jesus. And, and, and so you, you, it was hard for you to break the routine. 400 years of living under oppression, of living uh, uh, as a people who are, who are uh, sir, servants in the worst kind of way, hence the term slavery. And so God is saying, listen, now that you're free, Here's how you stay free. Here's how I'm gonna help you stay free. So the 10 commandments are really not just for them, but for us as well. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a new creation, celebrated by some of the folks that we saw who got baptized. It's a symbol of the new thing that God is doing in their lives. So if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And so because of that, what does it look like to live like a new creation? God gives us a picture of that. And I know that some of this seems super specific, right? Hey, don't covet or, you know, want your, your neighbor's horse or donkey. In today's day, that might be your neighbor's dog, okay? And maybe your neighbor has a lovely golden doodle. God bless you and God bless your neighbor. That's a mini horse. That's what that is. But it's specific. But overall, when we look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments really are a breakdown of love, Commandments one through four are a picture of how we love God. And commandments four through six, yes, I didn't make a mistake when I said that, one through four and four through six, because commandment number four, talking about the Sabbath, is a picture of how we love God by spending time with him, but also is a picture of how we love our neighbor well. Because let's take Pastor Eric, for example, right? I guarantee you, if he takes full advantage of the sabbatical the way he should, He is going to be the bestest husband, even though he already is. He's going to be the bestest husband he can be. He's going to be the bestest dad he can be. And yes, I'm saying bestest because I have a two-year-old, so that's just how I talk now. Uh, He's going to come back and be the best high school pastor for you guys. Why? Because he's rested, and when we are rested, we can love well. So commandments four through 10 show us how to love our neighbor well. Really, the 10 commandments are 10 expressions of love. And actually, I I would say, since we're talking 2022, twenty are 10 screenshots of love. I am that weird guy. I'll be full transparency. If I'm just death scrolling through stories on Instagram and I see something where I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Let me go ahead and screenshot that. Okay? I'm just going to screenshot it. I have a whole folder on my phone of just screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. I'm a book nerd, so if I see a, someone, uh, I have friends who are book nerds as well, so they'll list out, these are the books I read this past year. Well, let me screenshot all the books you read this year. I'm not even going to ask you to tell me. I'm just going to screenshot them. That's what the Ten Commandments are. Is there a screenshot or a picture of what it looks like for us to love God and to love our neighbor? So, Key for us to understand the Ten Commandments, not just looking at Exodus chapter 20, but I think for us in general, just let me make it practical and plain as this, is perspective is key. Perspective is the key. It's not about what I don't get to do, because if you read the Ten Commandments, you'll see a lot of you should not, you shouldn't, you can't, you won't. You won't is isn't actually in there, but it's a lot of you shouldn'ts and you, you shall nots. But really, if we flip our perspective, what we'll understand is this, is that all the you shall nots really are an invitation for us to see what we actually get to do, what we are free to do in this life, what we're free to do in our relationships with others. And so when we look at through the lens of what we get to do, it puts a whole different spin on things. When I was, uh, once upon a time ago, when I was several inches shorter and had no facial hair, I know, hard to imagine, I hated chores. Anyone in here hate chores? Okay, thank you for your honesty. The rest of you, I'll pray for you. Or maybe you can come clean my house. Hated chores, though. I was the person who Saturday morning, that's chore day in my house, and it, it would take forever. So I'll watch my Saturday morning cartoons. Some of you are like, what is that? Don't worry. You have to step in a time machine, watch my Saturday morning cartoons, eat my cereal, and then like try to sneak outside to go play. And then I hear my mom and my dad like, where are you going? Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My parents are Nigerian by the way, hence the accent. Uh, uh I was gonna go play. Did you finish your chores? No. Nah? I'll do them when I come back. No, you will do them now. Okay, okay. So take my, my, my good old time doing the chores or sometimes I rush through them and don't do them completely. And it's a whole mess. On trash day, trash day was Tuesday in our house. That's when the trash truck would come. And that was my alarm clock, was hearing the trash truck come down the street. And I'm thinking, oh shoot, Osan, you did not take out the trash cans. So here I am running outside in my pajamas, dragging out the trash cans, waving down the trash guy. Hey, hey, they're right here. Some days I just missed it. And so, you know, we got extra trash for another week. It is what it is. But let me tell you now, I love chores. And it's not just because I'm old, okay? For the record, I'm not as old as, I, as you may think I am. I'm not as young as I look either. But I love chores. Why? Because for example, for me to clean my house, it's therapeutic at this point. I, I'll throw in my, my, uh, my earbuds and I'm just vacuuming, I'm scrubbing, doing all of this, gardening outside. Trash day is the best day ever. The night before trash day, Trash Day is Friday where I live now. Thursday night, I'm dumping everything. I'm the noisy neighbor dragging my trash cans out. Hey, Todd, okay, here we go. Put the trash cans out. I love it. Why? Because now as an adult, chores are not a picture of what I have to do. It's a picture of what I get to do. I get to love my neighbors well by making sure my patio is not a filthy mess. And also because... My homeowners association will find me as well. I get, to, I get to love my family well by keeping a clean home. I get to teach my son, hey, this is how you love the things that God has given you, how you steward them well. It's not about what we have to do, but it's about what we get to do. And so the picture of of us getting to love our neighbor, Jesus sums it up in Matthew chapter 22. It's what's known as the great commandment. I'm gonna read through it real quick. Some of you guys are like, ooh, I'm getting some good scripture tonight. Yes, we're getting a lot of scripture tonight. That's why it's important for you to bring a friend and to bring your Bible as well. So you can make sure that as I'm saying stuff or Pastor Eric is saying stuff or whoever's up here, that they're not just saying stuff. Stuff that's not even in here and also it makes for a great read. So here we are, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Once again, Jesus talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Pharisees heard Jesus shut down the Sadducees. They said, ooh, we got one for him though. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus takes the 10 commandments and there's also like 600 more. We'll talk about those a little bit later. And Jesus sums them up in these two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it is no longer like I mentioned about what I have to do, it's about what I get to do. So if we reread the 10 commandments through the lens of not what I have to do, but what I get to do, here's how it looks different. It's no longer, oh man, I have to like put God first. I can't have any other gods. And some of you are like, I don't even have any other gods. It's just me and G-O-D. Who's down with G-O-D? Yeah, you know me. Uh, No, Instead, I get to love God without any other distraction, without any other thing interfering in that relationship. It's no longer, oh, oh, man, I can't have like idols. And some of you are like, I don't even have like idols. I don't have some, uh, other than some of you might have like a weird Harry Potter shrine set up in your house, okay? Whatever house you sorted into, Hufflepuff. Um, or maybe you have like a shrine dedicated to your favorite band, okay? Some of y'all BTS fans out there. I don't know what you guys listen to these days. I'm just just here so I don't get fined. So, but it's not about you not being able to like have those things. Because here's the thing. A lot of time our idols are actually good things. But the problem is it becomes an idol when it goes from being a good thing to being the ultimate good thing in our life. God is the ultimate good thing in our life. So now instead it's this, is I get to, once again, enjoy God fully without any distraction. It's no longer about me, oh, I can't use God's name in vain. Some of us, we we think in our minds, like not using God's name in vain is not saying GD, right? God, fill in the blank, right? But really what God is getting at in that moment is not so much about what's coming out of your mouth, but about the life that you live. Because with the life that we live, we could take God's name in vain and show people a different picture than the true picture of the love of God. So now no longer is it oh I can't do. It's I get to now live in such a way to where the world around me sees Jesus. I may not be perfect. I may not have it all together, but at least through You know, my little old life, folks can see Jesus. It's no longer, I have to take a day of rest. It's, I get to take a day of rest to enjoy God. And the list goes on and on and on. I no longer, uh, it's no longer, oh, I have to honor my father and mother. No, I get to love my parents. Even if my relationship with my parents is terrible, I can still show them the love of God in such a way as to it's a witness to them. To know that, yes, God is still good. Even when you, mom and dad, are not good to me, God is still good. Like I said, the list goes on. It's not about what we can't do, but it's about what we get to do. That's what the Ten Commandments leads us into. Once again, it's all about our perspective. And so when we look at the great commandment, right, and we look at love, what does it look like for us just from a very practical perspective? Like live this out. In high school, I took five years of math, not because I got held back, okay? Let me just clear the air on that right now. I don't know what math looks like for you guys these days, because the last time I opened a math book, I was like, they changed math. Okay, I'll tap out. Um, but the order of math when I was in high school was Algebra 1, Geometry, Algebra 2, Trig, Trigonometry, okay? I'm not going to shorten it. In calculus. So I started out in algebra one, but most of my friends who were, you know, in honors and AP classes, like me, uh, were actually like a math level ahead. So the summer before my junior year in high school, I said, you know what, I'm gonna take a summer school class so I can be on the same track as everyone. So I took algebra two during the summer. And I may or may not have got lost taking the bus home one time and ended up in Pomona even though I lived in Rancho. That's another story for another day. Just know I made it home safe as you can see. But I took five years of math and I don't remember most of it, okay? I for sure don't remember calculus, okay? Ask me where I use calculus today, nowhere, all right? I can remember a derivative, that's about it. But the one thing I do remember from all my years of math is that good old order of operations, right? Some of y'all call it PEMDAS. Some of y'all call some of y'all say, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. I just call it that good old order of operations. Starts with a P, right? What is the order of operations for us to be a people of love who live out God's law in such a way as to where it is a witness to the world around us? In Romans chapter 12, it's a beautiful scripture. Paul is giving a list in Romans chapter 12. First, he talks about like us giving our lives as a living sacrifice. And he says, that is our form of worship. Worship isn't just what you do when you're up here and you're singing songs. Worship is the way that we live our lives. And then he says this, in light of all of those things, what does it look like to practically live that out? And so in Romans 12, uh, verse number nine, he says this. He says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor or hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Why does my love need to be without hypocrisy? Other translations will say, let love be sincere. So let love be sincere, hate what is evil, and cling to what is good. How many of you guys have ever heard that statement that Christians are all hypocrites? Right, am I the only one? Okay, a few, okay. Okay, live a little bit of life and you'll hear it. I would venture to say that it's not so much that Christians are hypocrites. I think we're inconsistent. But in the day and age that we live in right now, where things are just... I mean, you can't sneeze and say God bless you without someone biting your head off, right? Things are are hot. They're tense right now. But tension is good. Tension is how you bid muscle, as you can see with me, right? JK, dad bod over here. Um, But what does it look like for me to let my love be without hypocrisy? Excuse me. What Paul is getting at is actually something what Jesus was getting at with the Pharisees. And that's this. You guys do a great job on the outside of doing all the right things, putting on a good show and showing people that you love God. And for you, that may be you come here every Wednesday, you're super active in your life group. But when it comes to actually practically living out love, what's on the inside, the love that you have coming from the inside out is actually poisoned by hypocrisy. Because the true show of our love for God is not what we do when everyone is looking, when we're worshiping in arms like this. It's what we do when someone offends us, when somebody hurts us. It's what we do to the people that maybe we disagree with, that maybe we don't see eye to eye on certain issues, right? How we love really matters. And so if I'm focused on just, well, me and God are good, but I don't care about the people around me, I've missed it. My love is actually with hypocrisy. So as long as we let our love be without hypocrisy to love well, and let me tell you friends, it's not easy, it's not, right? You wanna see the greatest war zone on the face of the earth? Step into the comment section on YouTube. It is wild out there. There's some days, I just death scroll just to see the outrageous things people say and I'm like, you wouldn't say that to somebody if you were face to face with them. There's no way in life you would. I've actually had moments where I've come face-to-face with people who've said reckless things to me on social media. I'm like, you want to run that back? No, man, good to see you, bro. You're, oh, okay. Just, I have no beef. I just wanted to know if you're really that person. How we love people in the comments section matters. Let our love be without hypocrisy. Why? Because for our love to be without hypocrisy, it's demonstrated in the way we love the people around us. The way we love the people maybe who we don't get along with, the way that we love people who maybe, like I said, we don't see eye to eye with. You know the hardest neighbor to love is not the person who lives next door to you. It's not the person who lives on the same street as you, the person who lives on like the round part of the cul-de-sac, if you live on a cul-de-sac because those people are normally picky about parking. The hardest people to love are the ones in your own home. That's your that is your neighbor right there. Your brother or sister who drives you up the wall, that's your neighbor. Your parents, when they're interrupting you, in the middle of you playing a video game, or in the middle of you trying to get something done, or in the middle of you in a conversation, that's an opportunity to love your neighbor, to honor your father and your mother. These things are not easy, but friends. It is so necessary. And the truth is this, we cannot just say, okay, I'll just try to do this in my own strength because you will be burned out. I promise you, you'll burn yourself out. The 10 commandments, yes, they're a good like, boundary and guardrail for us to say, okay, I get to do these things. I get to love my neighbor well. But it is up to us to trust the spirit of God to put his love in our hearts because only the spirit of God could help us love people who we have no business or the world would say or society would say you have no business being friends with that individual you have no business forgiving that individual only the love of God can do that for us as a matter of fact in Romans chapter 5 it says this it says that hope does not disappoint or put us to shame because of the love of God that's been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us the Holy Spirit is the one who pulls out, pours out the love of God fully in our hearts. And so when we look at the great commandment, when we look at what it looks like to love God and to love our neighbor, what we see is Jesus taking, like I mentioned earlier, 600-plus commandments and breaking them down into two simple things and saying this, that I love God by listening to God and obeying what he says, And I love my neighbor as I love myself. Now, just fun little Bible nerd fact, because I can do that since I'm the one with the mic. There's actually no word in the Hebrew or Greek for obey. The assumption that Hebrews made is this, is that the actual word that they use is the word listen, because the assumption is if you listen, you'll do. So when you come here week in and week out, or if you're gonna re-listen to the podcast, or whatever that looks like for you, or maybe you like listening to your audio Bible. I do that all the time. You'll listen and hear what God is saying, not that I have to do, but what I get to do in loving my neighbor, and I'll actually do it. So I show my love for God by listening, and in listening, doing, and I show my love for my neighbor by the way that I love myself. This is what Jesus boiled all 600 commandments down into And so friends the opportunity that we have it's a great opportunity for us to love God fully to love ourselves correctly and to love our neighbor compassionately Here's what I want you to do right now think of one person who gets on your nerves I mean, one person, I can't stand that person, okay? Maybe for you, it's someone that you actually want to fight. Think about that person. What would it look like for you to love that person compassionately, to maybe hear their story, hear where they're coming from? One of the greatest acts of compassion we can show for people is by listening and not being the one to talk all the time not being the one to always have to send a text, but just listen. But we can only do that when we love God completely with all of us, and when we love ourselves correctly. Some of us, the hardest person, the hardest neighbor for us to love, aside from the people in our home, is this person, the person that we live with, that we look in the mirror at every single day. What would it look like for you to embrace the truth that God loves you, and because you are loved, there's nothing you can do about that? You're gonna be okay. I want you to know, some of you maybe haven't heard it in a while or never have heard it, that God loves you. And I don't just say this because this is some feel-good message. No, God loves you legitimately. You may be thinking about what you've done or just did, but God loves you. He sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. I'll wrap with this. Um, Going back to my son, God, like I said, pray for us, okay? My son pretty much is a good eater. He's not a super picky eater. But he, he likes to kind of taste things before he dives right in. So I remember the first time he had avocado, I was like, fingers crossed, please let him like avocado because I need to have a guacamole, buddy. Kind of went, hmm, hmm, went in on it. But most of our morning routine looks like this. My wife and I make breakfast for him. It's like, okay, I know you're hungry, and he won't eat it. Come on, guy, just, just eat the eggs. Eat the eggs, okay? Eat the chorizo con huevos. Come on, man, just eat it, all right? So here's the trick to get him to eat it. I eat it, and most of the time it's stuff that I love. So there's stuff that I love as an adult that he probably shouldn't be eating as a kid, don't call child protective services on me, but he loves to eat. So for example, the other night, I'm sitting up with him trying to get him to go to sleep. He's watching Peppa Pig. God bless him. Um, He can do all the oinks on B in the intro. It's the wildest thing. And I'm eating hot Cheeto fries because, praise God, those are from heaven. And I'm eating them, and he looks at me, sticks his hand in the bag, and goes, hot. I'm like, yeah, it's hot, son. And he goes, hmm kid is eating my hot Cheeto fries. I'm a little upset. He's going to have to buy me a bag with his birthday money. (laughs) But for my son, things that maybe he doesn't prefer or have a preference for suddenly changes when he looks at the example of his dad. And for some of us, we would prefer, everything in us would prefer not to love our neighbor, not to love the person who's hurt or offended us, Not to love that person. And the truth of the matter is, when we love well, it is a witness to the world around us. But let me tell you, friends, we have an example. We have someone who didn't give in to their preference and instead chose to listen to God and follow God's command. And that's Jesus. Jesus, as he prayed in the garden, prayed, Father, not my will, not my preference, but your will be done. So the next time you're like, "Whoo, I don't know how I'm going to forgive this person. Whoo. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this my my neighbor." Side note, your neighbors everyone. Remember Jesus. He did it first. He went before you. He set the example for you to do it. And Jesus will never ask us to do anything that he himself has not done first. Friends, 10 commandments in 2022. Let's pray. <laughs> Faithful God, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity that we had to spend time with you in your word, to hear you speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that as we go from this place, as we actually go to life groups right after this, that, Lord, we would have fruitful discussions, that we would have uh, discussions that maybe some of us haven't opened up in a while or ever. Let this be a moment for us to open up and be transparent. I pray, God, that... uh, Some of us would take the step or the initiative to love that difficult neighbor, whether it's ourselves, whether it's someone in our home, whether it's someone we know in our neighborhood, in our school, whatever that looks like, someone on social media. But I pray, God, we would do all of this knowing that your law, that your word is a picture of your goodness to us for our good.